Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited and I am so happy to be joining you on the Talk Zone Network. Uh, the show is Heaven Sent and Bent. And we will be featuring guests who, like all of us, have gone through some kind of trial in their life, but has come, come through the trial with a positive attitude. We're going to be asking them different questions about how they dealt with their different trials. And I hope to talk with people that will um, touch you in some way, something that you can relate to, something that you'll be able to say, oh, wow, I felt that same way, or I never looked at life in that way, but receive some kind of inspiration through our conversations that we will have in the future on the Heaven Sent and Bent show. My name is Renee Steelman. I am your host. I hope that I am finding all of you today positive and productive and prayerful. Whether you find your prayers through meditation, no matter what you find your um, peace in, no matter what religion you claim to be yours, I hope that you are finding some kind of peace in knowing that life is more than just yourself and that it requires others to be involved in order to have true happiness. What we're going to be centering on on the show Heaven Sent and Bent is the fact that Earth Life is hard and it includes tribulations that can range from annoying to absolutely excruciating. We will all experience some form of unhappiness or sorrow while we are here on Earth. And, you know, it can be illness, it can be betrayal, it can be loss of loved ones or natural disasters, unemployment, fear, or sometimes a combination of all of them. And trials, I think, can sometimes feel almost laser-guided, as if there were a higher power zapping us right where we are the weakest. And it, we might be asking ourselves, you know, I've even heard people say, uh, if is there truly a God, or if there truly was a God, how would he ever allow such suffering or, or such problems in the world? And bitterness can overtake your heart, uh, faith is lost, and sorrow is drunk in daily as, as the broth that continues to fill the barrel of hatred and self-absorption. And so I'm hoping that on this show, we will be centering on people who have experienced trials of all sorts and who have endured with an attitude of strength and an anticipation of joy and some kind of positive light. And I want to start out today's show with a quote. Uh, this is a quote from Lewis Mumford. And the quote is that life is the only art that we are required to practice without preparation and without being allowed the preliminary trials and failures and botches that are essential for training. And I thought that was a great quote because, you know, um, one of my favorite things in life is Broadway. And, you know, going to New York is just the highlight of, of my life, you know, at times. And my husband and I try to go a couple times a year 
just to experience all that the city of New York has to offer. In fact, this morning when I was on my run, um, a song came on and it was, um, oh golly, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was um, God is Found in New York City. I'm going to look it up and put it on my iTunes. But I thought, um, probably not actually, but but to me, it is a fabulous place to go. And one of the things that, that is in New York right now is um, there's a play on Broadway that's still in preliminary. And it's it's called uh, Finding Neverland, I think, with Kelsey Grammer and a lot of other people. But they're still in their preliminary stages where they are uh, performing the show. But then they're going to go back and they're going to, you know, tweak it. Uh, for things that aren't working and they're not getting the reaction from the audience that they want. And they'll do that for months before they finally say, okay, it's a done deal. Let's go. Let's go with it. And, um, and so I found this quote, you know, quite appropriate that, you know, we don't get that in life. We don't get, um, to, uh, do 13 and then go, oh, now I, I, I know what I did wrong. Now I'm going to go back and do 13 over again. All we can do is learn from what we've experienced and then make some kind of effort to be better or to go on. And so I found that as a, a, a great quote for today. So um, let me get out of, of this because I want to make sure. My guest today is uh, my, my good friend Brenda. And Brenda has experienced a lot, and I want to let her tell you her story, and um, and I want to tell you why I chose Brenda to be my first guest on my new show. Um, Brenda is a friend that I have had for, um, golly, at least 25 years, and I met Brenda through our church. Brenda was actually teaching a youth Sunday school class. And my son, um, who I've mentioned before on my show, uh, has cerebral palsy. He's quite severely disabled. Um, he is in a wheelchair. Um, but in spite of his disabilities, the youth program at our church welcomed him with open arms. And, and in fact, sometimes I would, I would take him into the Sunday school and the women that were in charge of the youth program, they would shoo me away and they would say, go, go, go to your own class. We'll take him. We'll take him. And he enjoyed the singing. He enjoyed listening to the other children and he was taking Taken into the age appropriate class that, that he would normally go into. So Brenda was his teacher. And so after Sunday school was over, I would go and, and find him and she always had something funny and positive to say. Um, and then she started going through some things in her own life and, um, it, it, she decided to start, uh, her own business and she started cleaning houses. And so, um, I thought, well, gosh, you know, let me try this. This is a great idea. I love the idea of someone else cleaning my house. So I asked Brenda and she came over and I mean, from that point on, I was never able to clean my house again. I mean, she got every, you know, door, every window, every window sill, everything. And it was like, oh, wow. I didn't even know that my doors, you know, could, could have that many fingerprints on them. And she was so, you know, detailed and she did such a great job. And then it progressed from there because she would be at my house and she would be cleaning and she would say, well, you know, 
if you want me to get TJ off the bus, I can watch him. So I'd be like, oh, that's a great idea. And so she would get him off the bus and bring him into our house. And he would sit there and listen to her as she would finish up cleaning. And it was heaven. It was like, this is the best thing that could ever happen. And, uh, you know, if she would get done cleaning and, and, um, and I wasn't quite home yet and she was still watching TJ, she'd go outside and deadhead my geraniums or, you know, just always doing something. And uh, so that's how I got to know Brenda. And, you know, when I would come home, we would talk and she would tell me about things that were going on in her life. And, and, and I got to know Brenda a little bit more and I got to know a little bit more about what she was going through and what her life was, what was happening in her life. So, Brenda, let's, uh, let's let you talk a little bit about what's going on in your life. Well, what's going on in my life at this point? Well, no. well, let's go back because I'm someone who who likes to listen to stories and, and annoying as it is, I love to listen to stories in chronological order. So tell me, let's start from the beginning as much as we can in the hour that we have to chat. Um, tell me, you know, how you uh, started your adult life, how you met your first husband and how that progressed and, and what what kind of transpired? Because I know, I know that you have, um, some things pretty much right in the beginning of your married, married life that was a, a huge trial for you. So how did you meet your first husband? Uh, well, I left home when I was 18 and went off to college. And that was my first time to get on an airplane and went to, um, oh, I flew to, oh, actually to go to the college there. And then after attending that for a little while, my grandmother lived in Fremont, California. So I decided to go visit her for the summer, and that's where I met my first husband. And, um, you know, we dated for a little while. Actually, um, we didn't really hit it off right in the beginning, but my grandmother kept saying, you should go with him and let him take you on dates. He can show you California, you know. And so so I thought, oh, okay. So we went on some dates and and um actually he um we had no plans to get married but he went um he got a job down in um southern california and so he was leaving and so we went for a drive before he went down there to get a job kind of just say goodbye and everything and on this drive it was on this um mountain little mountain road there canyon road and um we had a car accident and ran into the side of the mountain, and I ended up being in the hospital for a week, and it totaled his car, and it just changed our lives. And um, he was so um, good to me and was up at the hospital all the time, and I thought, you know, um, he has some great qualities, and then he asked me to marry him, and and I decided that was right at the time, and it was, and um, so that's kind of how that started. And then wow. He- so that's so it interesting. I, a, I it started out with an accident. <laughs> it yeah. started out with a trial. It started out with started a, out, in, yes, yes, <laughs> and that's what made me. I think that um, you you see how people are when they experience life, and that what that's what that's when the real attraction I think started with me with him was was um, watching him how he handled the situation and um, you know that how he cared for me and and so. That changed things. Well, and that's really, you're right. That's really important. It, it's a time when you can see people for who they are and not for, sometimes when we're dating, we have a persona that we put out, uh, our best, you know, our best self. 
And so, you know, in a way it was almost a gift that you were able to see someone who, for who they were, and like you say, how they cared about you and maybe how they would care about other people in general. So that really, in a way, that trial became a gift for right in the very beginning. So, um, and then how soon did you begin to have children? Uh, well, uh, we, we actually, we went off and eloped. We decided to get married. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then uh, right away, actually, and they came really you know, one right after another. So my first two were born ten and a half months apart. So I think I spent the first five years of my marriage uh, pregnant. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Anyway. And tell me, tell me about um, the birth of your of your little guy, and tell everyone the story of Andy. Okay, so I had um, at that point I had two little girls, and the ones that were ten and a half months apart, and then with the third child, um, his well. He was a junior, so so we called him Andy, and um, he was born six weeks early. And at that time, we were living in California, and we had just moved to Kansas, actually, because my husband at the time got a job there at Xerox. So we traveled and moved there. And then when I went in the hospital, because when you move to a new place, you don't know anybody, and I left all my friends and my support um, in California. And so um, he was born, well, prematurely. He weighed three and a half pounds. And so he was in the hospital for um, most of that time. Um, he came home, oh, I think it was like five weeks old, and he had his weight had gone up to five and a half pounds, which was the weight they decided that, okay, he can go home now, and he was stabilized, keeping his temperature. But then um, I had him home for one week, and then he um, passed away of SIDS. So, mm. but I think often that if um, if I didn't have those two, not that it's always difficult when you lose a child, but um, I was so busy with the other two smaller children. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, I grieved and I kept myself busy, but um, I often think that if it was my only child, I probably would have just I wouldn't have known what to do with myself. I think at times, but. Um, they kept me busy, and I was able to get through that time. Right, and I I know I remember you telling me that story, and we had known each other for quite a while before I before you you told me that I didn't even know that you had had a little boy, um, but I remember you telling me that you had him in your arms, didn't you? And you had you had just fallen asleep, and when you woke up, is that am I remembering that story correctly? I did. Yes, I was I was uh, nursing him. And we were, I was in the bedroom with him in his bed. And, um, you know how you prop yourself up and you're nursing your child. And I had dozed off. And then the next thing I woke up to were the two little girls coming in the bedroom playing and making noise. And so I woke up and when I looked at him, then he was blue and, you know, because he was in my arms. And, and I thought, my first thought was, oh, you know, did I smother him? Did I do something? But he hemorrhaged and, um, you know, it was it was through SIDS. They had oh passed my away. But gosh. yes, passed away in my arm while I was nursing him. So yeah, oh that was all pretty traumatic. And, yeah. And yeah. actually, he um, was born in May and he died in June. So it's always this time of the year. Uh, yeah. We think, we think about him more, and sometimes it's. I think, I think anytime you have a loss or you grieve, it doesn't. It hits you at different times. Mm-hmm. And so you know. Um, 
So that's kind of. And you know, that's really true because I remember as a young married person, um, we were, my husband and I got married and then we, we were living in Japan, as you know, and we were at church and the, um, the pastor of, of the church, what we called our branch president at the time, was talking and he was talking about a child that they had lost. And this man was in his sixties at the time. And as he was telling the story, he, you know, broke down. It was very, it was emotional for him. And he just talked about this child that they had lost. And I remember as a, a 20 year old, you know, with, um, with no real trials under her belt, I remember thinking, wow, can you feel that much sorrow? over something that happened 40 years ago, you know. I mean, I had no understanding of the fact that you can move on and you can um, continue, but that loss never really goes away. And uh, it's it's just interesting. It's one of those things that you learn as you age, that when they say age gives you wisdom, it's definitely through experience. But and how did you um, how did you deal with that, with the um, the fear and the anxiety, but also the need to uh, mother and control your emotions with those two little girls at the time? Well, that was the thing, and they and they don't really remember him, but I um, I remember I had shown them pictures and things, and what we did too at the time, um, just so that they would remember they had a brother. That um, every year at that time we would make him a little birthday cake and and kind of on his birthday and and um, I know I'm not answering your question because ask that question again, Renee. Oh well, you know, like you know, you wake up and you're startled, and you obviously have to go into emergency mode. I don't know if they didn't have did they have nine one one back in those days? But I mean, you've got two little girls right there that you've got to also take care of. Well, so it was a funny story because I had this nightgown on, but it was a a thin nursing nightgown, and you know, you could see through it and things. And at that time, when you're you're having that trauma, you don't even think about what you're wearing. So now I understand why people can run out naked when in a fire or something. You know, I think, oh, I I know, I know why, because you're not thinking about what, what you're wearing. But, um, I remember calling 911 and, um, then my neighbor that lived right next door that I hadn't known very long, she came over and said, I'll take the girls, I'll take the girls. And so I went in the ambulance, I went with them, I rode in the front, went to the hospital with them. But before I got in the car or the ambulance, I remember the, the um, one um, medic was saying to me, he goes, uh, ma'am, um, would you like to go upstairs and um, put something else on? Oh, <laughs> you know, I think, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Thanks for watching out for me. You know, I think I grabbed yeah. and put them on real fast. But, um, but going to the hospital. But I think another thing, and I, I said this to people, that um, how people can be um, insensitive to what's going on, or they can be sensitive. I've had both uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. in situations like this. But I remember that. Um, sitting in a little room, you know, and, and new to the area. I couldn't even remember um, the number for my husband's work because it was so new. I didn't even have it. You know, I couldn't remember how to call him or what, get a hold of him. And um, they were working on him, but they finally came in to let me know that he he was dead. And um, then the next, the next thing he said was, do you have a funeral home picked out that you would like for us to oh. send him to? And I yeah. just, you know, you're sitting there in shock because, yeah. you know, I'm in my 20s and and they're telling me my son died and that the second sentence was, you know, 
Where would you like us to send him? What funeral yeah. home have you picked out? Well, who picks out a funeral home with the yeah. when you have little children? You yeah. know, that kind of yeah. stuff is just yeah. That that's the insanity of some yeah. some of these yeah. things. So it's so some true. things that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's so true. I, I was reading a blog the other day from a lady who it was it was humorous, but she, and I because I remember doing the exact same thing with TJ. She was talking about how you know when you go when, with children, you when you go into their their you know six month, eight month, whatever uh, visitation, the nurses hand you a form to fill out, and it's all about your child's progression. And um, I remember them, you know, and she was talking about how her. I think she must. I don't remember what the, her son's disability was, but he was in a wheelchair. It might have been like spina bifida or something and I remember her saying that she took the thing and actually started filling out the answers sarcastically and with humor but you know and I remember doing the same thing like this nurse handed me this form I remember with TJ and I sat there and finally when she came back I said did you look at his record do you know what we're dealing with here because none of these things apply to him so it's like you know you you just kind of want to just slap him and just say wake up you know, pay attention here. This is not the norm. This is this is an extraordinary situation or whatever. But yeah, you know, gosh. So after so after that, did you guys stay then uh, in that new job for a while? And then how long before you had Wendy? Wendy's your youngest, right? Uh, yes. So we stayed there in Kansas uh, for about six years, and then we moved to. Um, well, actually, I had Wendy in Kansas. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why her name is Wendy because it was so Aww. so darn windy in Kansas, and we had <laughs> joked about if this baby that was back when you didn't have the you know the uh, sonograms and you didn't yeah. have the sex of your child, you know, and right, right. So we said, well, if this is a baby girl, we're going to call her Wendy because it's just it's so windy here, and, and it was a girl, so that's how she got her name was Wendy. But uh, that's yeah. funny. So good thing you didn't name her like you know tornado or you know the yeah, well you might you maybe yeah, should have yeah. I don't know you know? <laughs> yeah, oh well, that's well funny. there have been times where I she should have that middle name but you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting you should have just called her Wendy if you would have known the whole Wendy Wendy thing that's for that's for sure yeah so what so would you say um, so uh, what would you say um, progressing through your lifeline uh, was the next the next shock, the next, like, what the heck moment for you? Well, at that point, we moved to, um, after Wendy was there, we moved to um, Oregon, and that's uh, into Wallison there, and she was three at the time, so I think that was just a whole new, uh, a whole new area, the Northwest, because I... Um, had been raised in Arkansas, actually, and that's why we took the job in Kansas so we could get closer to family and visit them. And then here we're going, you know, across the country to the other side. And and I didn't really want to move or go in the beginning, but um, I love the Northwest now. But um, so just I, I think just raising uh, raising the children. You know, I respect. I live right now in a in a Navy town, and you have these. Um, Navy, whether husbands are out or the moms too mm-hmm. at times, and they're they're there by themselves for six months or even a year because their husbands are out to sea, mm-hmm. and um, I can kind of relate to that because I just or where they kind of um, not that I wasn't without my husband, but um, going to new places, I guess I just I had always been in one place and didn't move around much, and so mm-hmm. I think um, being a young mom at that time was just moving to new areas and not. 
uh, knowing people and having to start over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that that's so true. And I re- there's something going around on Facebook right now, and it's just saying it was a little reminder for husbands of what wives give up when they get married. You know, they give up their name. They often give up their family and move to a, a new area. Um, they, they really do go through a lot that I think sometimes is expected. And so we, it's taken for granted all, all of what sometimes what women do, uh, when they get married and support their husbands. And, and husbands now are doing that too, you know, leaving friends, leaving family, and then often being alone, you know, while, while your spouse or your partner or whatever is pursuing whatever they're doing that's, you know, giving support to the family. So you're absolutely right. That is that is something that is harder for some than it is for others, but definitely uh, an experience that a lot of us have in common. Let's take a quick break, Brenda, and then we'll, we'll come back and kind of, uh, you know, tie a lot of things together. So let's just take a little break. Welcome back to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. Here's Renee Steelman. Hi, thank you for coming back with me today. I am talking with my good friend Brenda, and we're just talking about some life experiences that have um, definitely brought Brenda some trials and also how she's kind of weathered through uh, some of the things that have gone on. So, Brenda, when I got to know you, uh, we were living in the same town, and, and like I said, we kind of had um, my youngest son brought us together, and and you were helping me out so much with him. And when you were um, when you were your kids were a little bit older, um, you started to have some physical problems. Were you pretty healthy up until then? But uh, you, I know you you had started to kind of experience some diverticulitis, I think, or something. Was that the first time you started to feel some illness? Uh, yes, I had some, um, some of that in my stomach, actually, and, um, I'm one of those people where the doctor always, always says to me, I read about this in the book, but I've never seen this. <laughs> you think, like, thank oh, you. Yeah, well, that's me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so, uh, yes, I had, uh, ex- was experiencing, actually, I had, um, some ulcers at that time in my stomach that were bleeding, and I remember, uh, taking a trip, to California and I was just so tired but that was also during the time that um, a couple of my friends were going through it could have been you and I don't know but going through menopause no <laughs> <laughs> me what <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah. Was, they were talking about their symptoms and things and thought oh gosh I must be going through menopause what's going on and then um, you know when we came back I was just so pale and everything I ended up going to the doctor and realizing that I had um, uh, I was bleeding internally and um, actually, I remember the doctor at that time because I, uh, most of the time I do what what the um, what they tell me to do, but most of the time not either. But <laughs> anyway, so she goes, I want you to go over to the hospital right now. And I said, well, okay, first I have to go home and do this and that. And she goes, no, you could die if you don't go to the hospital. So that's when I, anyway, ended up in the hospital right then and got a couple of transfusions. And I was... Uh, I always feel like I'm one of those cats, you know, with nine lives. I think, oh, gosh, there's so many uh, lives that I've, so many times I could be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And what was the next? Um, so then, then you kind of got on a better track, and you got a little bit healthier. Um, yes, you went, I, you went through some other things. Um, so then, what were some of the next things that you're like? Oh, great! Of course, this is this is par for the course here. Well, I think I think anytime you go through something, it's a wake up call, and and you know, at first you think, oh, okay, I've got to make some changes, and then we tend to fall right back into that same old, same old mm-hmm. um, attitude, and. Until the next thing happens, and you think, "Oh, yeah, I need to, I need to take care of this." Mm-hmm. And um, but I think that too, you evolve as you get older, and your way of thinking changes, and you realize that, "Hey, you only have one body, and you better mm-hmm. take care of it and make some um, positive changes." But right. um, yeah, right. so well, and then you know, so while you're kind of going through, well, actually, by the time I got to know you. Um, you and your first husband had divorced. And um, tell us a little bit about, I love the fact that even though the divorce wasn't your idea, it was an amicable uh, separation, and you guys have remained friends. Um, but it, there still must have been a little bit of a what kind of going on, right? Yeah, well, I think that you... Um you think, oh, okay, I'm getting married, and I was going to be married for life. Matter of fact, um, when you talk about ex-husband uh, with the holidays, because he was just up here and uh, uh, spent the night at our house for two nights, and uh, brought the other granddaughter up, and you know, so we're all we're all on good terms. But yeah. um, I think at the time, because we married really young, and we, you know, started having children right away, and then he traveled a lot in his work, and um, I think that we just. You know, um, we we grew up, and we but we didn't really grow together. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept thinking, oh, you know, I don't know. After the kids, cause you put your your life and all your energy into your children, and that's what I did. And then um, I started thinking about the future uh, when the kids are all grown and gone. Then when it's just the two of us. Um, how it was going to be, and and um, we were actually just kind of playing house, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we even we even went out to dinner one night and just said, hey, you know, um, how do you feel about this? And and mm-hmm. you know, we lived under the same roof, but it was just kind of playing house, and and we decided that um, it's time to make a change. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that during that change, because we were both so used to being together during our adult life, that mm-hmm. it was very difficult to, um, oh, it, it was difficult to be a single mom and with kids. And at that point, um, you know, the two older ones, they had graduated high school and then one mm-hmm. was getting ready to go off to college. So just the expenses and everything. And so it was almost like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Let's 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 go back and how it was and I'll just put up with things but mm-hmm. um that kind of changed and and um finally you reach the point where you think okay because you do doubt yourself if you've made the right decision in doing doing this right and i had a lot of guilt with that with the children and um but then um i i think that there was at one point where i just um uh something happened and it clicked for me that yes this is the right thing yes it's going to be difficult but i can move forward right and do this well, and not only, you know, so you made that decision and then, you know, I know you started having, you know, your youngest uh, unfortunately got involved in some drugs and that, you know, then there was a, a long time in your life when you were dealing with not only drug addiction, but then we had a, a baby that came along with that and that brought some 
you know, problems. And I, I always admired, as I watched you, I admired your, um, not only your fortitude, but just your calm. There was a calmness about you when you made a decision and you stuck with it and you believed in what you, how you believed and you did everything. You were so there for your kids, but you also drew a line. And I felt like that was just a strength that I don't know if I would have, have had. Um, so, and shortly after, you know, or actually during the, that you were doing to try to deal with a, a, a daughter that was dealing with a drug addiction and then other issues that that brought, you, you know, you decided that you needed to, you know, maybe let's see if I can find another life companion. And I, I loved going through a little bit of the dating with you. That was so fun to listen to some of the dates you would go on and then you would come back and you'd be like, why didn't you tell me that that person was nuts? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I didn't know whether you liked nuts. I, I, I wanted you to decide whether you like crazy or not. I don't know, you know, and that was kind of a fun time. And to be there with you when you were able to find your current husband and to watch the two of you, you know, be so much in love. And, but you know, um, that brought its own set of trials. I mean, you were, you were so, brave to do what you did to move move in and and make a new home with your new husband and some of the things that you went through and and everything so when did you start having um uh you went through something else before the breast cancer what was it i can't remember or was, uh, was it the fall that brought the the attention oh, to yeah. the breast was it the it was the fall no, okay no, i know a lot of people say that but um no and, and with wendy uh you know, with my daughter that experienced the, the drugs because she became addicted to meth and meth. And uh-huh. that was back in the time where, you know, a lot of people, you hear about it all the time now. Yeah. Back then, you didn't hear about it so much. Yeah. And I was just trying to find help. And one thing that I do remember, um, just going back to that situation real fast, right. um, that people weren't equipped at the time because I remember trying to, I was calling around trying to find a rehab to, um, put her in to help her, and they had these criteria, and they said, well, oh. is she pregnant? And I said, well, no. Well, we only take mothers that are pregnant that are addicted to drugs. So oh. I was like, oh, okay, and then you call the next one, and then they had their criteria. So she wasn't fitting into these things, so we struggled for a long time with, with this, and then um, finally we did find one, and she got help. But one thing, too, um, when she did get out, and I thought, okay, things are going to be better, and life is going to be good again, but I remember at one point, because um, I was always checking up on her and, and, you know, worrying about her and checking her eyes and things, but mm-hmm. I got a phone call from one of her friends one day, and that was uh, um, a difficult call because here I was thinking she was doing so good and we were back on track again and life's going to be good, and the friend said, I just wanted to let you know that Wendy's doing drugs again. Uh, and it was like, no, not after yeah. all we just did, and, you know, no. And so, you know, and that was where the situation where I I had to give, I didn't know how to help her or what to do. Um, and plus they, they're, I want to say, they're, they're not themselves, and they can be so mean and yeah. say things and push you away. And so I thought at that time, I just felt like, okay, I'm just going to give her some space. Mm-hmm. And I was... Um, uh, I, so giving her her space, and then mm-hmm. um, then she did become pregnant and had a a baby girl that we all kind of helped with, and and um, but I I want to add here though that during that time, you know, it took a couple of years, but um, she did get back on track, 
and mm-hmm. she's doing quite well, and she mm-hmm. is raising that daughter, and we all still, matter of fact, she's here during spring break right now, but mm-hmm. um, she lives close by, but um, she's doing well, you know, that mm-hmm. I, I was wondering if there's ever going to be any light at the end of the tunnel, if she was going to be one of these people that was just going to, this is going to be a life style mm-hmm. for her because it mm-hmm. can be for a lot of people but mm-hmm. it wasn't she she is she is doing well and i'm very proud of her and i let her know that that um you know and she's she has a good job and she's taking care of things right Not and i think the 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 important thing that i i remember um as i said i remember I took TJ and went and saw there's a new movie out called Do You Believe? And um, so I took him to go see it. And one of the things that struck me was the examples. There were, I think, three or four uh, people that they highlighted and, and made a story around their lives. And I remember just thinking how every single one of them, the greatest trial that they had in spite of, of um, you know, depression or uh, the one one, do- one girl was depressed and, and – um, and felt lonely and abandoned. And then the other, the other one was someone who had lost, um, a husband had died. And then because of that, they lost their home and they were living in their car. And then the other guy was going through an illness. But I remember thinking at the time, where are their families? Where's their support system? And, you know, thank heavens she had you and she had a family that was able to step in and, and help her. Uh, through that time and maybe that's why she was I mean not not I mean no there really isn't a, a reason it's just you know you're very fortunate that she's has been able to do as well as she had so you know and that oh my gosh I, I remember a little bit of that the your your search for help and not being able to get the help and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that because you have a you have a grandson now for, uh, that is uh going uh, that you've discovered has autism and so again trying to get the help that you need trying to find a program uh you have to do so much research yourself don't you uh yes and and too there's a lot to uh, not necessarily autism but on that on that spectrum so there's Mm -hmm. a, a very wide range of that and and you would never know it you know Looking at him and different things, and and that's still being um, you know some testing and everything because he is right. so young. But um, we definitely know there is something uh, right, right. That he needs so, with, but so when you fell, I, I love this story. <laughs> so so Brenda's out there actually serving others, um, still continuing to uh, be in a position uh, in her church, and um, and so she's serving others and work. You were working with young women at the time, weren't you? Like what, fourteen, fifteen year olds? I can't remember. Uh, actually, no, they were uh, younger than that. They were eight to. Uh, oh, okay, that's right. It was the the younger, yeah, like activities yeah. type. Thing okay, yes. so she's over at this girl's house, going to drop off some what was it cookies or something? No, okay, Brene, let me tell the story. Okay, okay, yes, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a beautiful oh. day. She had red shiny sequin <laughs> shoes. She clicked them together. Three. No, okay, go ahead, tell the real story. Yeah, I love you, Renee, but you're not remembering this well. I so. know I'm not doing it right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, actually. Um, she was new in this area, and so um, we had this activity at my house, and we had we were making a craft, and then the craft went a little bit longer. So um, the other leader and I, we decided to take the girls home. Normally, the parents come that, and pick them up, but um, her parent, what her mother wasn't uh, available at that time. So anyway, so I took her home, and um, I went up 
upstairs. She lived in this um, second-story apartment building, and I um, I actually was just going to drop her off. And then there was a just a split-second uh, decision. I thought, you know, I think I'm going to come up and I'll meet your mother because I hadn't met the mother. And so I, I went up the stairs, and um, she went in to find her mother. And when she came out, um, actually, there was a someone, a teenage sister inside that had yelled, uh, don't let the dog out. And so a dog comes running out. And so I kind of stood in front of the stairs so that the dog wouldn't go down the stairs. And then that's when the dog looked at me, at me and showed me his nice, nice teeth and growled oh. at me. So I kind of stepped back a little bit. And when I did that, the railing that was on the, um, on the porch there, uh, wasn't installed correctly. It was put in with finishing nails, which, those are just really tiny nails that don't hold a, you know, the railing. Anyway, I just yeah, barely touched yeah. it, and I fell off and went down and landed on my side, actually. And, um, you know, now I know because um, the paramedic said, oh, I was so fortunate because I could have landed on my back and broke my back, or I could have broke my neck, or, you know, but I had landed on my side. And um, at that time, just broke my collarbone and four of my upper ribs and collapsed long oh. and a lot of bruising. But that was a, a difficult recovery. But as far as, you know, getting into the cancer, I had felt a lump on my... I always get yearly mammograms. So, you know, mm-hmm. always being aware, checking, um, and going to get the, get the screening. But I had felt a lump and... I thought, hmm, you know, maybe it will go away the next month or something. And then I had this fall, and so that kind of, you know, took precedence. And I was um, I actually breaking my collarbone. I couldn't even reach over and touch the area. So I was yeah. waiting. And about a month later, you know, every day I would kind of slowly see if I could move my arm over and see if that was still there. And when I finally could, it was there. So when I had gone to the doctor to look at my collarbone, my family physician, and checking things out. I just had her see if she felt that, and she did, and she wanted me. It was close to, I had fallen the end of August, and um, it was September when I had asked her to check it, and, um, you know, I was waiting till um, October to get my mammogram, but Mm. she wanted me to go right away, and so, boy, things started happening after that because I had two different types of cancer in my left breast, and... um, you know, with the difficulty of my broken ribs and collarbone, they couldn't do um, things the way they normally do, and it was mm. very difficult getting x-rays and stuff. But um, So that started, uh, you know, that was, I was just uh, getting over, well, actually, it wasn't over. I was still uh, healing, healing the, the, yeah, yeah, the, the, the trauma yeah. from, from the ribs and everything, because when you right. break ribs, they... You don't, they don't set them or anything. They just heal the way they do and, and you have to be careful. But, right. um, so then that's when they, um, wanted to do a, actually they wanted to do a double mastectomy, but, um, I didn't want to do that at the time with my, uh, the right breast not having cancer in it yet. But then, right. um, I have that gene where, um, ah. I, I, the percentage is really high for me to do that. So right, right. Um, I, I actually decided not to, yeah, at the time. But then when I was doing chemo, um, I remember talking to a woman that was just, um, she was actually in there for the second time, and she had had the same prognosis as me and the same type of cancer, and she also decided not to have the, the non-cancerous breast removed. Mm-hmm. And um, But then... Her husband had died since then because he had a brain tumor, 
And uh. um, she was there by herself, and I noticed that she was always there by herself. And so we were talking about that, and I noticed that her one side was just really swollen because it was from mm. lymphedema. And she had told me that, um, yes, that she didn't have the, the surgery done, but it came back with a vengeance. And so now uh. all this. So that day I went home and, and um, called my doctor and went in to see her and said, okay, I'm ready to yeah. take the other breast now. But it, it was a uh-huh. transition. It was um, a couple of months down, but, you know, um, you have to have some... I mean, it's pretty traumatic when people, when the doctor says, they say so matter-of-factly, okay, well, we want yeah. to take your breast. And you're like, well... You know, I think that sometimes you think your body, that's what defines you, but the yes. like to say when you evolve, I know that that doesn't define me. And right. they do great things. I had a great plastic surgeon, so I chose to have reconstruction. So I have some nice new perky boobies. All righty. So see, there's the silver oh. lining. Oh, well, hey, well, I'm going to be perky for the rest of my life. That's right. <laughs> doggone it. Uh, you know, Brenda, we've got about 10 minutes left. And so I wish, you know, I remember at one time thinking, gosh, I don't know if I can do a whole hour. And every time I go, I think I could do two hours. I just, I love just <laughs> listening to people's stories. But well, you mentioned before uh, an inappropriate statement that the that they had made to you after Andy's death. What what uh, you know? People have the best intentions. I really do feel that people have the best intentions, and their their intentions are pure and sincere. But what statements or comments would you tell the audience that you felt were the most inappropriate through all of the things you've gone through, whether it was Wendy or the baby or your breast cancer or anything? What what would you say would probably be the that you would give counsel to others was a, a kind of an insensitive or inappropriate question or statement? Well, I think people can say um, cruel cruel things or they don't they just don't think. But mm-hmm. I think one thing that uh, resonates with me more so than um, what you're talking about is um, that that I I remember you know in the midst of chemo and uh, when people you know you have friends and they talk to you and they and everyone's going through life experiences and then they would tell me what what's happening or they would you know they'd be venting or something and then they would say oh but I shouldn't be saying this because it's nothing compared to what you're going through right now and I always felt um, that you know we all we all go through through things and just because I'm going through chemo and cancer and I'm losing my hair and my breasts were removed and you know all that kind of stuff more that that whatever you're going through is um, is just as important you know, and I love when you told me that because I loved how you you said that um, it, you became isolated and lonely during that time because people felt as though they didn't want to call you and they didn't want to just have the normal girl conversation because anything that they felt like anything they would say was so frivolous compared to what you were going through. Right. So they just stopped calling you. And right. so that would be my thing is, is yeah. that. that you know that you know life happens. I mean, sure, you don't want to go on for hours and hours about all your problems, and right. you know, but um, but um, don't alienate someone just because life is difficult. Because they they need that normalcy of just life. Like, what's life going on? You know, with other right. people. Right. And I think sometimes, especially in this day and age, with with the social uh, media, there is now this. Um, 
this desire to put across such an image that is alien, it's actually alienating us because people are now, uh, you know, they can't go anywhere without looking their best or they can't, they can't put on a, a birthday party without being the best Pinterest party you've ever seen. It can't just be a cake thrown together, you know, for a two year old. It has to be a, a, a picture worthy Twitter, uh, you know, um, cake and and so it's it's actually alienating people rather than bringing people together and like you say you would have liked to have uh, gotten out of your world and listen to somebody else complain about the stupid dog or or you know their husband's just lost his job and that would have been a nice relief for you to listen to somebody else's problems maybe yeah and, and to be able to um I think just people are afraid to talk to you when you're going through things, and um, cancer is scary to people, although, mm-hmm. you know, the the um, prognosis is so much better than it was years ago, and mm-hmm. even with chemo, chemo I realized that um, they give you these, you know, chemo is a, I mean, that's a major toxin that kills cells in your right. body, but um, they can give you uh, pre-drugs is what they do to counteract some of the ill effects, you know, like nausea and um, you know, I've pictured cancer as, oh, someone throwing up all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't happen to me or, um, oh. because they give you, they give you so many, um, things to help with that now because right. they, they know about it. But, um, I so think. So how, how have I, your, you know, how have these things changed you and how, how have the experiences that you've had? Um, I remember one time and I, I appreciated this so much. I remember one time we were at church. And, and I remember you got up and walked out of a, a meeting because, you know, and you said to me, sometimes I really have a hard time listening to people complain um, because maybe they're such, I, I don't remember how you said it, but in nowadays we say that's such a first world problem. You know, people will go yeah. into a catastrophic depression because, you know, they can't find their brown shoe that day, you know. Right. And I remember that, that you know, that was a bad day for you, that, that generally you're so upbeat and positive, but that day you were listening to somebody complain about such a trivial thing that you were like, you know what, today I can't take that, you know. And then the next day you were back, you were good. But just acknowledging the fact that you can have good days and you're allowed to have bad days, um, but the fact that you can't, you know, that, that wasn't the end all for you. You didn't say, I'm never coming back to this church. I'm never, I'm never getting involved in this again because I can't listen to these people whine about stuff. That was just a day for you where you made a decision. I'm, I'm going to remove myself from this because this is a hard day for me and I can't listen to this, but I'll be back right. tomorrow. You know, I just remember yes. that. Well, so, I know that, um, my husband now, Andy, we were just talking about this last night, that after Easter, because uh, Easter was here, you know, I remember when I was in, because uh, we had a, we had some neighbor um, friends come over that are bachelors, and um, his adult son and my children, and it was, it was you know, how it is, it's crazy when everyone's yeah. here and you're fixing all the snow and stuff, but at the end of the day, um, he's always real positive and, and you know, and, and said, thanked me for uh, putting it all together, and I was thinking, you know what, a couple of years ago, or last year even, I I couldn't do all this because I was so exhausted from chemo and everything, and it feels good to have energy and to be back in the game, you know, to mm-hmm. do those things. Right. And um, uh, it, it just changes your perspective, I guess, right. uh, when right. you go through things. And that's exactly right. I just heard a talk yesterday and they were talking about perspective and the fact that, like you say, when you're right there in it, you were so close to the tree, you know, when you were going through it that you have to be able to step back 
and look at the whole forest and go, okay, I, I have to, you know, that trials do give you perspective where you can step back and go, let me evaluate what I'm going through and, and what you and can I, learn from that and what you yeah. learn and what, what changes have you made in your life because of what you've gone through? Well, I think one positive thing, I, um, I never really, I, you know, I heard yo- about yoga and people did it and I just always thought that wasn't for me, but, um, they have a program through the hospital, um, for, uh, it's called oncology yoga and for people that have experienced cancer to kind of help them slowly get back into physical shape, you know, because when you have surgeries and you, they cut muscles and things so you don't have your range of motion. So I, I, I always tell people that this isn't that pretzel yoga where you do crazy <laughs> things, but it's just very gentle. And that class has just, um, I look forward to it every Thursday and meeting those circle of, uh, right now it's all women in the class, but there are men that have, it's not just breast cancer, but it's any kind of cancer. But, um, you know, mind and body and um, that class has just done great things for me, yoga and um, going to the YMCA and because now the chemo gave me osteoporosis in my spine. So oh. I need to do weight-bearing exercises. So, um you know, you have to, you have to change your life because of things. You don't want to, um, I don't want my bones to become so brittle that I break my back and then that's the next thing. I want to be able to, right. you can do things to prevent, prevent those things from happening. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now is, is what can I do to, um, stop or to help some of the things that are happening to me? Right. You know, and I love that, you know, they, everybody life. is doing that. I've heard this quote from, I think it's Albert Einstein that said, you know, insanity is continuing to do the same thing, but expecting different results. And, and I think that's so true. Even when someone is going through cancer, I'm always a little bit blown away. And, and absolutely, honestly, sometimes I'm kind of speechless when I f- see people who have gone through breast cancer or any cancer, but then they continue to live a uh, their lifestyle that they were living before, you know, eating the same foods, you know, uh, being in the same environment that they were. And not that we have any control over a lot of stuff, but we can only do, but do take control of what, what you can control. You know, like you've taken a real effort to eat a healthier diet. I mean, I know you said you were raised in Arkansas. You grew up with fried Everything. Yes. And even, Cheerios. Yeah, you know? even right now, my, my mother is living with us and she still continues to, you know, cook the bacon every morning and all the fried things. And, um, it wasn't long when she realized that we just don't eat that way. So she, when she makes that stuff, she still eats it for herself, although it's not good for her, but hey, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can't yeah. tell your well, mother you... what to do. <laughs> no, you cannot. That's for sure. <laughs> well, Brenda, this has been so fun and I wish that we could go on for another hour, but, like I said, I appreciate you sharing with others. I, I, your sense of humor, I think, is what's gotten you through so many of the things that you've gone through. And hopefully your trials are done. You know, maybe that you give a little bit of a break here no, for a while. No, they're not done because that's how I learn and grow, you know. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Uh, so, I mean, I hope they're not, uh, you know. Well, anyway, yes. Yeah, you know, I know what you're saying. Not, and you're I, ab- know you, I know you have you're to absolutely right. You keep saying quotes, but I want to read you a quote that's really helped me look okay. at things. And this one is, um, you can read a book on swimming, but until you get in the pool, nothing really changes. And so, you know, I kind of look at things like that, that, you know, until I, um, I can, I can experience things, but until I actually jump in and make that change, um, you know, it's going to stay the same. Exactly. Exactly. 
Well, you certainly have. Um, I don't know if you really have changed because I think you've just been a positive person your whole life and it's just been such an example for all of us. And I know sometimes, you know, when I'm having a bad day, I, I, I really do look at you and go, you know, almost like that, you know, what would Brenda do? What, Brenda would probably tell an inappropriate joke and make everyone laugh. And then she would just go on, you know. So I can tell you one of my my favorite. That's another thing I always did um, when I would go into my surgeries. I had nine surgeries um, in 2013 with yeah. breast reconstruction and different things. And I would always tell a joke to the surgeon, uh, my plastic surgeon in the operating room. And I always wore pasties on my uh, breast, you know, <laughs> so that um, when I when they put me to sleep, then they would see my pasties. And then he always would put my pasties on his chart. You know, and, uh, anyway, that was kind of a fun thing that we did, uh, back and forth and, you know. Oh, connect. that's so yeah. great. Hey, and and I, I would much rather yeah. have a, a laughing doctor, somebody with a, uh, oh, yeah. laughing in their heart than a grumpy one, you know? Well, my goal was always, can I make his face turn red? And I did that quite a bit, but, um, and even now that I've been kind of cut loose from the plastic surgeon, you know, I'm basically yeah. done just for a checkup in a year or so, but, but you know, in the office they always say, we're going to miss you, and yeah, you know, just, uh, yes, you have to be, have a light, lightness. You have to have a light. Well, I do miss yeah. you, Brenda. Thank you so much for joining yeah. me, and I hope all of you have gotten something out of today's show, and I look forward to speaking with you next week about being positive, productive, and prayerful. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> 